week, Mark, uh, as he always does, um, brought a phenomenal word. He really did. Um, there's, I can't say enough about Mark. I hope you all and we all realize what we have in our team. Um, because it's, believe me, I see teams all over the country, and we got a good team. We have a phenomenal team. And, and they love Jesus, and they want to be where he is. And Mark illustrated that last week. And we went through the first, we're still going to be in the first verse of Romans today, and maybe even a little bit next week. Uh, but we started off with this understanding of, one, Paul wrote the letter because he goes, Paul. <laughs> he states that this is him. And the first week we talked about his phrase, a slave to Christ Jesus. He's a slave, and we talked about what that means. And remember, we're in this series of attentions. And tensions really are the struggle we have to navigate the extreme decisions we have to make in the world. How many feel those tensions every day? They can be big, they can be small. What am I going to feed my kids because my son will only eat peanut butter and jelly? I have a tension there. <laughs> how do I get him some good nutrition? Right? There are, from, from bigger things, how do I navigate the political and social climate around me? These are tensions. And we have to understand that we are under God's lordship. And that is the only way that we can engage those tensions with righteousness and holiness is if we're the one, with the one who is righteous and holy. It's the only way. Or else it's our interpretation and decisions made off that interpretation. And we know where those go. They, they don't go very well. So Paul is stating, I am a slave to Christ Jesus. I'm not a drone. I'm one that is chosen to be under the lordship of Christ because I am a child of God. That's how he starts the letter. And then Mark goes into the phrase, called to be an apostle. We, there's a tension there because I'll tell you, especially if you're church, the word called has a lot of baggage to it. It really does. Oftentimes, it's used with what we call the God card. God called me to do this. No conversation, no justification. God called me to do this. You accept it. Has anyone had the God card pulled on them in that way? It's annoying, isn't it? Because it shuts off all dialogue. There is no pressing in with one another to confirm. There's no... Uh, fellowship happening and dialoguing with God. There's no corporate intercession that happens because we've shut it off by saying, God called me, accept that. But called is an invitation. As Mark so beautifully presented to us, it's, that's really what it means, in, to invite, to be invited. And then to be an apostle. Woo. He talked about that. I mean, that's the big one, right? And, and Mark did it. I mean, he even threw the little clicker talking about that thing he got all into it because we we see that as a value term whether we care to admit it or not we see it as a value term wow they're an apostle <laughs> put out the red carpet here he comes but mark did a beautiful job at demystifying that right away because really what the word means is messenger. So Paul, under the lordship of Christ, 
is invited to be a messenger. Of what? And that's what we come with today. Called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. So this phrase, set apart for, is similar to called. Okay, so called is the big invitation, and set apart is an invitation within the bigger invitation. But when we hear set apart for, that word for throws us through a loop because immediately that's a value term. This is in an identity term as well. I am set apart to lead and preach and pastor the people of Ridgewood Community Church. Yeah, that's what I'm set apart for. And in our minds, we kind of do that. Mine's probably a little more warped than yours, but I'm going, I'm set apart for this, and no one else can do it but me because I've called for such a time as this. Ha! And then, to make sure you agree with me, remember God called me. Ooh, set apart, baby. And now what I've done is I've tied my identity to what I think I was called for. And so we confuse purpose and function. We confuse purpose and function. Now what I am set apart for becomes my purpose. And when that purpose stops, then guess what I do? I question, now what? What's my purpose? Who am I? And it can be whether you're a pastor or whether you, you're in the, anywhere. Whether you're working in a restaurant, where you're working in the computer field, whether you're a parent, whether it doesn't matter. We so quickly tie ourselves to the title of what we think our purpose is. And when that is taken from us, we don't know how to adjust. And we go, now what? I've been doing this job for 40 years. I was invited into it. God called me. He set me apart for this. Now it's over. What now? I mean, I've been there, and I, I, you know, I'm on 35 today. How many of you have been there? Where you know your purpose, you think, and then that purpose has an end date, and you question what? Your purpose. So let's look at these words here, because when we look at invited, we're going to use invited to be a messenger, and, in the words we see here, set apart for the gospel of God, the, the, the good news of God. Set apart, in the Greek, means to be railed off, to be corralled away from what is normal in your context, okay? So, to be railed off, and the word for... See, that for, doesn't it, when you hear that word, doesn't it, doesn't it communicate purpose? I'm separated, I'm railed off here, I'm corralled, I'm selected, I'm picked, I'm chosen, I'm like, woo, 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 for some big purpose that will change the world. That's kind of how it goes, and, and it's easy to step into because those are creative under, terms that we can understand. I get that i got to have a purpose. i got to be doing something because, man, God forbid I just be still and know Jesus. I mean, I'm as antsy as they come. And for me to sit still, 
have you ever seen me sit still? I can't even sit through the service, right? I got to keep moving, but I don't want my spirit to be that way. I don't want to feel like I have to keep doing something in order to fulfill some purpose. See, the word for is, is not the word we should be using because in the Greek, the word is ace, and that means into, but it doesn't read as well when you say called to be an apostle into gospel of God. But when you say set apart for instead of set apart into, it sounds a little better. And it, you know, some will say, well, semantics. No, because the image is different. I'm invited into something rather than created for something. And one of the things that's going to be hard about this, this series or this journey, and it's already been hard for me, is that for me already I've had to unlearn some of the things that I've learned. I think Yoda says that. That's brilliant. <laughs> because sometimes we do. We have to unlearn some things that we've learned. And that doesn't mean it was all bad. It just means that sometimes the things that we've learned, still, we're still missing the mark on where God wants us. And he wants us with him. So we take what is good from that and say, Lord, what do you want to say? And as Mary said, allow him to gently nudge us into a deeper understanding. It's not about being right or wrong. It's we want to know Jesus more. We want to be where he is. So we'll make the adjustments we need to make so that we can be where he is. There's no ego in that. But me, I go straight to shame. But that's not the posture that he wants for us. He's inviting us into something. Something deep, something great. But here's the deal. Paul can do that. Because he's already set the tone for one of the greatest letters you'll ever read. He identified himself, right? He says, Paul. And he says, a slave to Christ. And when you look deep, it means he knows who he is. He's a child of the living God. And because of that, he is a slave to the magnificent obsession of his life, who is Jesus. Everything else is secondary. All of that stuff that gives us some kind of significance, doesn't matter if you're not with Jesus. And I don't think we start out that way. I think we all, when we come into the presence of God, we're like, what can I do to communicate the love of God, the love that I feel? And then sometimes we go, we look at the spiritual gifts and we look at the, the stations that God will invite us to and that becomes our identity and we forget the one who gave us that identity. And we don't do it on purpose. But we can get lost in the task. Why do you think he says all through scripture, be still and know that I am God? Because if we don't, we get locked up in the mission rather than the one who sent us on the mission. And it's so critical if we want to live in the tension of this world that we stay with the one that sends us. Because if we don't, then we are going to go, when, once that assignment is done, we're going to go, who am I? I don't know, I don't know who I am anymore. I'm lost. I know, wait, but I know Jesus is with me. But see, the reality of that and the knowledge of that can be disconnected sometimes. I know that he's with me. Does it always feel like he's with us? But you know it. And those two can kind of be disconnected. But it was interesting hearing Mary. 
She knows this stuff, right? But it wasn't until she stopped. Wait, that sounds a lot like be still, doesn't it? And said, Lord, what do you want to say? Which means she acknowledged that he was in the room. And then what happened? Her climate changed. Her approach to things changed. Because now it was about just being with him and not getting all this stuff done because the stress was relieved. So it no longer became about can she get it done or is it going to get done? Nah, 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 nah. But there was a comfort and a knowing that Jesus was with her. So it's a stepping in two, not a stepping for, not a being called for. I know too many pastors, and in my area it's pastors, right? I mean, those are a lot of the people I hang out with, who have retired, and they don't know what to do now. They're broken inside because their platform is taken. Their influence, the way they knew it to be, is what? Gone in their minds. And they have a hard time discerning what is going on because I'm a pastor. It's what I do. It's what I've done. It's what I would always do, even if I wasn't paid. But what is going on? Because now I don't have the avenue I had to express this way and to do this way. But this is what we forget, even pastors. We are first a child of the living God. The call is to be loved by God, to love him and then love others. Because you can't love him unless you allow yourself to be loved. He loved us first so that we can love. Because that is your mandate. That is your life's purpose, is to be a child of the living God. I'll tell you what, when my kids let me love them, I'll tell you, there is no greater joy. And when they reciprocate that, is, it, is there no greater feeling in the world? And then when they take what they've learned, healthy wholeness, what they've learned, how to love, and they love others, oh, proud parents, aren't we? What, what do you think the Heavenly Father is thinking about us when we allow him to love us? See, we, we look at our track record and go, he shouldn't. It doesn't matter what he should or shouldn't do, he does. And if you don't like that, that's just tough cookies. Because that's the reality. See, sometimes we live in, a, I'm a, I hope I'm a child of God. I believe and I hope. Even me. I know it to be true, but sometimes it doesn't always feel that way because circumstances will try to tell you differently. So I move from certainty, confidence in that I'm a child of God, and that's my identity to I hope I am. And I'll live out of the hope that I am. Now, we don't always stay there, but that creeps in. Who's felt that? Yeah. Let's just, let's just put the rumors to bed right now. You are a child of a God. Look out there. Look at the beauty. Even in the midst of all the junk in this world, there is goodness. There is beauty. There is life. There's treasure to be had through the Holy Spirit in this place. You are a child of God. That is your identity. And now you can function as a healthy citizen of the kingdom because you are a child of God. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay for it. You can't. And it can't be taken from you. If you put your identity in what you do, that will be taken. But you cannot have what who you are robbed from you. You can't. Paul is making it very clear. 
I am set apart to preach the good news to the Gentiles. That is my function. It is not my purpose. My purpose is to be loved by God. I experienced that on the road to Damascus. When I was against him, now I'm for him. I would give it all away to go right now, he says, if that's what the God wanted. But there's more for him. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. But he'd rather be in the heavenlies with Jesus. Because he knows that's where his identity is. Church, if we can get this, if we can live out of not just the knowledge, but the reality that we are the children of God, apart from how we've taken that phrase and muddied it in the water and drug it around, and if we can see that for what it is and live there, then we can go from invitation to invitation to invitation. And those invitations can change, and we're okay because our identity isn't tied to the invitation. It's tied to the one who invited me. That's different. And that's where we are invited to live. It would change the world. Do you understand that? It would absolutely change the world. This isn't a rah-rah speech. I don't know any other message to be with Jesus. I don't know any other one. And you're not going to ever hear any other one than that. Because scholars can make, you know, say what they want and say that there's purposes here, purposes there. But any purpose outside of being with Jesus and being loved by God has no purpose. This whole thing is about him and us. This whole thing. And we, and we get led astray by our, by our own studies sometimes because we forget that this is a love letter. This is relationship. It's relationship. Are there contexts and things we have to be aware of and tools that, yeah, absolutely, they help us. But if they are not driven by the passion of relationship with God, we will miss it. We'll miss it. When I first got here in 2011, I struggled being here. And not because of the people, not because of the beautiful winters, but I was called to a place in a hostile environment in San Diego, California, where the ministry at that time was the best I'd ever experienced. I wanted God to get me out because I didn't like some of the circumstances. And I didn't like feeling miserable outside of what the invitation or the call was. But when we got the call, the invite from here, ministry was amazing. Lives were being changed. I was a youth pastor at the time. And kids were being discipled who were discipling other kids who were discipling other kids. And you're going, what? You can't write that stuff. You can hope for it, but it's happening and I struggled because as soon as I was called out, I spent three months making sure all the transitions were ready to go so that whoever stepped in, boom, here you go. It's, it's healthy. It's life right now. So I want to do everything I can to help pave the way for this person. And then you have to let it go. It took me two years to let it go. That was my, that was my purpose, to bleed with these kids, to love these kids 
to laugh with these kids. And my, my purpose changed. My invitation changed. And I didn't know how to step fully into the new one because I didn't know how to let go of the other one because I didn't know what it was. I thought it was my purpose. It wasn't my purpose. It was my invitation to set up the next person. Because God uses all of us, not just Brendan. Because we are all children of God. And once I was able to release and surrender that, then I go, ah, ha, ha. We have a great example of what it means to hand off the invitation. Look at our founding pastor, Tom Stewart, who has every right to hang on, who has every right to find his purpose in being the guy that started Bridget. But he knows he didn't. He said, yes, Jesus, and here we are. We have examples around us of people that know that it's about being with the one who invited us, not just the invitation. You can get lost in your gifts. Well, I'm a prophet. Well, I'm this. Well, I'm that. Well, that's, no, you're not. You're actually given that. It's not who you are. It's blessings you've been given to glorify his name. See? These words, if we don't look at them, if we don't ask God what he wants to say, they can lead us astray because we all bring our own interpretation to these things because of based off our experience. That's why we have to humble ourselves in a way that we can unlearn some of the things we learn so that we can relearn the truth and what God wants to say now. And I'll tell you, there is no greater verse in my mind right now in Romans, and maybe because we're only in verse 1. But then that verse, because it sets up, it sets up why the letter is so beautiful and challenging. And Paul does it right. He says, I am under his lordship because I am his child. Okay? Take that one piece. I am his child. Everything else is gravy. It's a privilege for him to preach to the Gentiles no matter the suffering because he knows who he is. It's a privilege for him to talk about salvation and the power of the Holy Spirit and talk about all these wonderful things because what? He knows who he is and has that much more power. All of that, his mission, his work, to be taken from him. And Paul has shown because he's understood the suffering he's endured, it's all about being where he is. And I don't think he would be going, who am I now? Mm -mm. But he had to learn that, as we all do. It's not a hope we have. It's a reality. We live and breathe out of the a position of being a child of God. See, it's, it's our greatest purpose is to be his good pleasure. Do you know? With all your faults, with all the nasty things that make you cringe and want to hide, you're his good pleasure. You, don't, you can't make that up. No one would. They would be insane. You can't make that up. Can you? You can't. That's why we love our kids so much. Because we're made in his image. To love no matter what they do. To keep loving to keep bringing the invitation of reconciliation, to keep it going because it's about that love and that relationship. And I'm not talking about, you know, the love that's plastered on every Christian thingy we've got out there. And 
And I know that sounds critical, but it can be taken that way. Just love. Right? I mean, seriously, I've, I know people that are sold. We want to be about love, and you're talking about Jesus too much. There are pastors. What? You don't know what love is. If, that, if, if you take Jesus out of that equation, you got nothing. You got nothing. You have fool's gold. You have artificial love, and it's about making it, not learning it. We cannot fabricate the love of God. It's too vast. It's too big. It takes us beyond what we can think and know. And that frustrates us. Because now we don't have control. Well, cry me a river. Because every time I take control of my life outside of a yes to Jesus, it stinks. It stinks. Yes to Jesus should be the church's cry every day. Yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. Instead of us worrying about, well, that looks weird. They're worshiping, yes, Jesus. I don't like that. Or going, oh, falling on their knees. I can't take that. Or, you know, well, that person's actually loving someone that really I don't like. That's not love. That's just blah, 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 blah. Fooey. The love of God is a tidal wave, a swarm of realities that we will only experience by being with Jesus. And it will overwhelm us. And it should overwhelm us. we got to stop protecting ourselves from the love of God and let it in fully. Just because we don't understand it, it's going to cost us something. Oh, it's going to cost you everything. But it's going to give you more than your version of everything. Your everything is not everything because your mind can't comprehend that. But his love can. Paul's called to that. His identity is found in that. Our identity, you take, you take me being a pastor away, fine. You throw me in a prison and torture me, fine. I'm going to love my God in the midst. Because no one can take that from you. It's the one sure thing you have. It cannot be diluted. It cannot be tampered with. It cannot be robbed from you. What if we live from that daily? And we need each other. What if we did that daily? Do I need to keep talking? I hope not, because I'm tired. Let's pray. Let's pray. Man, God, you're good. I I don't know how you do it. (laughs) And I'm glad sometimes I'm on a need-to-know basis. Because I just don't think I could comprehend it. I know I couldn't. But I thank you for this family. Oh man, I'm so. I, you need to know I'm thankful for you. Very much thankful for you. I thank you, God, that you are our safe place and you dwell amongst these people. And because of that, you've made Bridgewood safe. And I ask that you would increase the territory of your safe presence all around us. We are under your lordship. We are slaves to you that choose to surrender and be where you are. And we thank you that we are invited to be your messengers, set apart, 
to step into the things you have for us for the expansion and the communication both verbally and modeling the good news of your son Jesus Christ many of us Lord are carrying false identities and some of them feel really good and to lose them would hurt but to not be with you would hurt even more. And so may we deny ourselves, even our identities as we think we know them, deny ourselves of those so that we can pick up our cross and walk with you and follow you and experience the great comfort and joy of knowing with certainty that we are your children And there is nothing, not even the enemy of this world, nothing that can separate us from your love. You. Mm-hmm.